but it was literally, it was the time spent in the field with, with great people. Um, it's not it's not the kills, it's it's not even the flights, it's about sharing them with people that you respect and admire. And, uh, and there was an element at times of, of wanting to show people that, that, you know, I was this falconer that knew what he was doing. Um, but falconry has a way of bringing you back down to earth. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome back for another episode of the Falconry Told Podcast. And we are now at episode 98. And really hope you guys enjoyed the last series that we did for Mexico. I'd like to go ahead and also take a moment and introduce one of the newest sponsors of the podcast, being Bobby Yaga Crafts from Poland. He makes some really great handmade quality stuff. And if you're not familiar with the equipment that he offers, it's definitely worth checking out. The past couple of seasons, I've used his anklets with Marshall's Easy Twist nuts sewn into them, and I've enjoyed them so much that I will definitely continue using them in the coming seasons. And what I also like about him is he's always working on refining his products and equipment that he makes, trying to find better ways to improve the quality. So I will continue to use his products in the future. I really, really enjoy them. So like I said, if you're interested in checking them out, Hit him up at Baba Yaga Goshawks on Instagram, and here pretty soon we'll have links on the website as well. We're kind of uh, in between series right now. We have a few really cool things planned for the short term, so hopefully we will have plenty of content to carry you through the next few months at least here. Always have things in the works, but most recently I attended the spring rendezvous at the archives of falconry in boise idaho and i'm really happy that i got a chance to attend this year because i finally got to meet in person some people who i had some previous correspondence with but hadn't had a chance to actually meet in person so one of those people was our guest for this episode who is tony james and i was hoping to get a chance to do this with him last year while i was in the uk but the stars didn't align and schedules conflicted, all that kind of good stuff, and we weren't able to meet in person to do this. So I was happy to be able to get him and pull him aside one day while we were at the archives and sit down with him and get some of his stories and have him share some of his falconry experiences from past and present as well. So. It was a great atmosphere. I'm, I'm glad that we had time to do this while we were at such an amazing place like the archives. So I hope you all enjoy it. And I will go ahead and turn things over to this conversation with Tony James. Here we go. Well, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we could do this here also because with the books and with all of this just amazing heritage that we're surrounded by all this memorabilia and i don't know i mean what better what better vibe are we gonna have for this to happen anyway yeah it's a privilege to be here yeah yeah well i mean have you this is what your second time here now yeah doing yeah a trip yeah, I, to, yeah came came over last year and right. it was my first time in the states really yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah. kent kent's been the last 20 years trying to twist my arm to come over and say <laughs> last year was the first time but i'm so glad i did yeah you know, to spend time with doug pinio and uh, you, know, you just, just never know right yeah yeah it just makes you realize that um, 
you can't take anything for granted. No, no, no. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where you always just have to take advantages of the opportunities when they come. Because if you say no, I, I can just do it later, whatever. Eventually, there's not going to be a later. But, I mean, I'm glad to have finally gotten a chance to meet you in person. And, I mean, I don't know how you managed to avoid doing this whenever I was in the in the UK last year. I know uh, a certain couple of people were, were probably hounding you to do it then as well. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, well, as you know from today, I've been trying to avoid coming <laughs> in. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Everybody thinks it's going to be so much more terrible than what it really is, but... <laughs> But it's really just a couple of falconers sitting around talking, uh, talking shop, and um, telling lies, man. <laughs> Perfect. That's all it is. So, well, and I mean, what was your initial reaction, or what was your initial um, impression, I guess, of the states? I mean, you picked a, a pretty decent scenery area for your first time coming to the states, and yeah. now I guess second time. Oh yeah, well, now the people have been wonderful, mm-hmm. I, and I'd heard the legendary kind of. Um, appraisal of that but it, it was far better than I could have ever imagined some fantastic falconers some fantastic people and a fantastic place what more could you ask yeah yeah it's kind of funny that you know such um, a historical place you know ended up in of all places Boise Idaho but you know I guess uh, the yeah. circumstances I mean and just the uh, the way everything turned out it's it's about as good of a place as any for it yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'm looking through the window. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, ultimately, it's down to Kent Carney. Mm-hmm. What a man. Mm-hmm. You know, what a vision. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and and with the announcement that's coming this evening, I think, um, hopefully you're not aware of it, but there's some significant um, moves, some significant things have happened. And so I can on. probably take and ed- make an educated guess because you know <laughs> I hear little I hear little birdies you know whisper every every so often as well about different things and possibilities. But uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, we'll just have to. That was a heck of a teaser for you to drop there. Of course, probably by the time this comes out, you know, the announcement probably will have already been yeah, made. Yeah, but yeah, uh, everyone will will yeah. be aware that by then. But so no, the yeah, yeah, through through Kent's. Uh, Kent's efforts to get the thing started, and everybody here now is such a such a professional outfit, and the the feel good factor, the uh, the connection with the falconry community. Yeah, for so many falconers to be here with not a hawk in sight, apart from the wild ones, and um, you know to have so much camaraderie and so much support, and there's not a hawk being flown. That's that's quite incredible. Yeah, I know a couple of friends of mine mentioned that they were thinking about maybe in the future offering to um, bring some people out to their property and, and, you know, maybe just lure fly some birds or something just to incorporate some degree of actual birds and, yeah. <laughs> you know, in in, uh, in a uh, an event like this. Yeah, but, uh, yeah I, I, I don't think you need it. I think no. the, the, yeah. the the hawk talk, the yeah, I mean, just... Look at the falconers walking past that window. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah making faces at you, and, you know. <laughs> yeah, but no, yeah, I mean, absolute household names if there is such a thing. Sure, you know, some of the guys out there—it's an incredible setup. Yeah, yeah, no, it really is, and yeah, I mean, 
you can only tolerate so many lies being told at once in the same area, in the same place, in the same time also, you know, <laughs> and if people actually start flying some birds, then then it turns into inevitably like, well, that's cool, but, uh, you know, oh, you're doing great. Well, I would, I'd do it this way, you know, and yeah, <laughs> that yeah. kind of thing, too, you know, so. Yeah, yeah which, which yeah, I, I tried to avoid these kind of things, but we did a, a fantastic little thing this morning with Steve Jingren. Mm-hmm. Um and he's got this ongoing project. Actually, I don't know if I should be talking about it, but it's just yeah, be the, vague the, if you if you if you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's a lovely project. Um, and he's nailed a few people down to just talk for a few minutes about a favourite hawk. And um, I'd never really considered that before. It was it was something that uh, yeah we have hawks and, yeah, when they're lost or when it comes to an end we have, have the next hawk. And to actually put some thought into into a favourite hawk and the reasons why it's a favourite hawk, and you know, giving it some thought, my favourite hawk was was one that shared a more than a decade of my life, and it was the memories of spending time with with so many great people. You know, she was actually produced by a, a, a wonderful falconer who's no no longer with us, Matt Gage. And you know, even that, every, everything. It, it ultimately it's about the people. You know, she may not have been the best Vulcan I ever flew, but she was the one that was dearest to my heart um, because she shared such a fantastic decade of my life, mm-hmm. and that included some of the guys walking past the window here. Yeah, no, I understand. And you know, like I said, it <laughs> it's uh it's kind of funny because that's usually one of the things that we broach on too. We always like to hear about people's favorite either hunting stories or birds or a combination of both because sometimes they're intertwined together and um but what qualities made that bird your favorite bird or most sentimental bird yeah literally yeah i'd I'd flown three sisters from that breeding they were they were all good hawks um the last of the three through my my kind of efforts to container a little they they flew quite exuberantly um and she became a, a much less exuberant hawk than the previous two but it was literally it was the time spent in the field with with great people um it's not it's not the kills it's it's not even the flights it's about sharing them with people that you respect and admire and uh, and there was an element at times of of wanting to show people that that you know I was this falconer that knew what he was doing, um, but falconer has a way of bringing you back down to earth. And um, you know there were occasions where she didn't perform as well as I'd hoped, and uh, in yeah. front of people that I might have wanted to impress. So uh, imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, yeah, I think as as you go through life, I think you you become less interested in in kind of promoting the idea that you know what you're doing and you just enjoy it and and you get as much pleasure watching someone else showing you what's possible. Um, and that's been the story of my life really is trying to trying to learn from other people and emulate some of their their successes and develop some of their skills. So yeah, I, I've, I've invented nothing in falconry. Not many people have. But um, yeah, I've tried my best to emulate some of the people who do it better than I do. Sure, sure. And 
Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> we always joke, me and my group of guys, it's, you can always tell whose bird's out of the box and, and who isn't, you know, whose isn't. You know, it's, it, it's, it's funny because sometimes the fun really begins whenever your bird's back in the box. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's difficult. I think the older I get and, and the further down the road I get, I'm, the more inclined I am to think, you know, a friend of mine, Dave Eslick, uh, uh, the last falcon I took up, he, he came out with a line that kind of shocked and, and amused, but is absolutely right. He said, it's my job not to mess it up. That's basically, <laughs> you know, that's, that's my job. The less you do to mess a falcon up, um, yeah, we, we all know how to train a falcon, um, but we don't know we don't always know how to train ourselves so it's very true it's very true but yeah i mean sometimes though i mean especially when it's been a a really hard day out in the field and it's just you know conditions aren't the best you've already walked at god knows how many miles and and sometimes you know whenever you finally get that that you know, that catch that goes in your game bag or whenever it's finally just time to, you just know, it's like, okay, it's time just to stop, get somebody else's bird out. Sometimes just the weight, the extra weight that comes off with your game bag <laughs> as you're putting everything back in the truck and stuff. It's, it's, um, sometimes it's nice to just be able to, to be the heckler, go from being the he heckled to the heckler. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I never made a mistake when it was somebody else's flight. <laughs> it's a very good, very good statement, but yeah, well, uh, so I know we've already kind of talked about this some this weekend, getting to know each other a little bit, but what initially, can you go back into what initially sparked your interest in falconry, what got you going and, um, you know, some of your initial experiences then in getting into the sport? Yeah, I kind of would. It was something that goes right back to being five or six years old and, a school teacher of mine kept hawks. I'm sure he wasn't much of a falconer, but in his garden there were hawks on blocks and, and bow perches and whatever. And yeah, I'm just fascinated, uh, glaring over the top of his fence at these things. And it just kind of infected me. It was, I guess that was the moment. I didn't even know falconry existed, but there was something magical about them. And yeah, I guess it was a few years after that, discovered a book that had a, you know, it was just a, a sporting encyclopedia. And I looked up Falcon and and there it was, falconry, with a picture of some medieval scene or something. But it was enough to, to make me realise that it existed. By the time I was, well, my first talk was at Kestrel, um, but by the time I was 15, I, I picked up a, a big female Finnish goshawk imported from Finland. And uh, and I, yeah, my education suffered. I stopped going to school and I was doing all kinds of little tricks to, to not be at school and be out with my goshawk. And I, 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 around about that time, I discovered there was such a thing as, as bird abatement, you'd call it, but... You know, scaring birds from runways or military air bases. And I just fell in love with that notion. That was what I wanted to do. So by the time I was 15, I'd, um, I'd been for an interview. 
as soon as I left school, that was where I was headed. Um, and the school were fairly keen for me to leave. So <laughs> I left school at 16 on the Friday and moved to Wiltshire on the Saturday to, to go and work with the Hawks. And at that stage, I thought I knew something about Hawks. I, I thought I was quite clever. But the guy I went to work with, I, he, he showed me that I knew nothing. And um, and over the coming years, right up to this day, really, he still shows me things that put me on the right path. It, it, yeah, I, Well, when was that? That was 44 years ago I went to work there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and, and you know he's, he's remained an inspiration since then, and and so many other people I've met either down there all those years ago, right up to today. You know, I'm meeting people today that are inspiring. You know, and, and some of the talks, you know, people joke about the telling lies, but wow, there's there's some talented falconers here. So all the time, right through my life, it's it's been about. Once I'd got over the stage of thinking I knew something as a teenager, it's, everything has been about listening and learning. <laughs> well, and you said the other night, if I remember correctly, that it was a period of what, like three months that you were kind of skipping in and out of school or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and they were <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 it was terrible. I was forging my mother's signature on sick notes. And it, yeah, it, yeah, I ended up after three months of not being at school and being, just flying the gosshawk yeah. and I ended up being discovered and <laughs> and from then on it was pretty much in handcuffs <laughs> and and then uh how was it that the the school eloquently worded the letter to your parents again how was that uh, yeah thanks um, <laughs> yeah tony is invited to leave the earliest legal opportunity <laughs> Well, oh, man. I was I was hoping to avoid the worst of my past. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Well, well, let's keep talking more about the uh, the the good parts then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that was your origin getting into it, and so I mean, whenever you started learning from your then mentor, uh, did you work for a while then doing the abatement stuff, or did that pan out at all, or how, yeah, how long did you yeah. do that? Yeah, the, that particular period of my life is 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 a period I look back on yeah, fondly, and I also I was lucky that the guy I was working for was of such quality that that I had an education in falconry that not many people are lucky enough to have, um, and frankly, I I didn't realise probably even at the time. How fortunate I was! It was kind of you know everybody's life is, the, you know everybody's life is the real world, and you imagine that everybody else is in the same situation, but no, I was extremely fortunate, and of course at that same time I was fortunate enough to be in a part of the world where Jack Maverick Godardo lived, Roger Upton lived, Leonard Potter lived. Jim Chick, I'm trying to think of others. Ted Roberts. There were there were. Falconers, <laughs> yeah, dedicated falconers that that showed me, kind of demonstrated, kind of an image of a dedicated falconer that became imprinted on me. I, I, it seemed like normal life, you know. It wasn't 
it wasn't a case of of playing around with it. It was something that you dedicated yourself to, and that was expected of you by example. You know, the people I saw, they were dedicated falconers. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard of Roger Upton. I'm here with his son, Mark. Mm-hmm. People like that, it was their life. You know, there was no, what you might call, as my friend would say, no dabbling. You know, it was, you give it everything you possibly can and, and you make every effort to do everything as well as you can. So, yeah, I was very fortunate at that stage of my life because that actually, that was what I became imprinted on. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything from there really, any success I've had owes, owes its, its existence really to what happened back then. Well, I mean, that's a good foundation to to have, being able to be around guys like that. And like you said, just kind of learn the the do's and the don'ts. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, we, we all are really so impressionable once we get into this. And as I've discussed with many people before, finding the right people for you, especially because everybody's different and learns differently, but finding the right people to kind of ingrain yourself in this culture, so yeah, to speak, yeah. it, it it's everything. It's either going to make or break what experience you have. Yeah, and it's largely, unfortunately, it's largely a matter of luck. You know, if you happen to, to be in the right place at the right time, I, you know, my, yeah, I often think my life could have been utterly different as a falconer if I'd ended up in a, a, a different job, in a different place with a different, Guys showed me the ropes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was just my good fortune, really. Mm-hmm. Well, and did you end up doing that for a, a really long time, or did you end up um, branching into a different career? Or uh, yeah, yeah, I, I did it only for what would it be three years or so? Um, three, four, five years, um, and then I, I moved into the the family business making furniture. Mm which isn't ideal but the the grounding was already there you know the had it been the other way around i'd I'd have probably learned from somebody with very little skill i'd have been taken under the wing of somebody as as i was before i moved to wiltshire um somebody who kept a couple of hawks didn't really fly them didn't really do much at all and and that's the luck of the draw you know, if that had been my first few years, I'd have probably been quite content and modelled myself on on a different image. Sure. Well, and during that three-year time span that you were doing that then, did you find that kind of like, you know, some falconers that I know who also do abatement, they sometimes experience burnout and, and um, sometimes run into the whole thing where, you know, it stops being, you know, their their normal falconry stops being as fun because they're dealing with, yeah. you know, everything. Did you ever run into that at all? Well, I, yeah, I can understand that, but it was it was good for me because it was a stage. I, it was largely because I was with the, the best guy I could possibly be with. So we were, yeah, it was crazy, really. I, I look back on it and think getting up in the morning and heading off to fly a goshawk, uh, then, you know, Maybe we'd fly the lanners and luggers, you know, for the the bird control, or really for pleasure. But um, 
you know, it certainly appeared to be bird control. <laughs> uh, we, I think we had at least one sparrowhawk. I took a sparrowhawk under licence that year. Um, I think that was the first peregrine came along that year, um, flying merlins at Larks. It, pretty much to the end, right to the end of the day, and heading out with with my goshawk. So it was almost dawn till dusk hawking, but I was with the most enthusiastic guy possible. You, you couldn't get burned out. You it couldn't it's be infectious. anything. Yeah. yeah, you couldn't be anything other than just in love with it all. Um, you know, it it wasn't. I've, I've seen a lot of friends that that have done similar things or worked at bird of prey shows or such like, and and or, or even breeding hawks. You know, I've seen lots of people burn out because it's hawks dawn till dusk. I, I. I've had stages in my life where, where I've started to worry whether I'm going to be as excited at the start of the next season. But, um, yeah. yeah it's never really been an issue for you? <laughs> no, no, no. And when you're surrounded by friends that are such dedicated falconers, and as long as you remember that falconry is, is a passion, it's, it's, it's not... Um, it's not something you have to do or forced to do. You do it because you want to. Um, as long as you remember that and, and don't get carried away with any other any other aspect. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I get it. You know, people could could get burned out. I've just been fortunate that the people around me had such a joy. It, <laughs> it remained a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, like I said. I mean, you're. There's some guys that that kind of eventually go into the realm of being completely like in solitude with their falconry, like they, you know, they don't want to share it with anybody, and that's totally fine. But I can't imagine doing what I do every season without the people that I do it with. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I think it just makes such a huge part. You know, it's kind of like the, you know, my sponsor. Uh, he basically, whenever I was initially learning from him, he was very adamant, you know, and that, you know, really it's kind of like what you mentioned earlier, you know, it's, it's not always about the birds and the flights. And a lot of times it's about, you know, getting out with the guys and, and having fun and, and, um, you know, and like you said, it's nobody forces you to do it. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to stay fun. You yeah, know, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've spent time in the field with some wonderful falconers mm -hmm. from all over the world. Uh, it's strangely it, because I focus so much on the joy of that, it's easy, it's easy to forget that actually, six days out of seven, I'm in the field on my own. You know, and I, I enjoy seeing a hawk fly and and practicing falconry on my own. The special times with friends are, are much less than the solitary times. I enjoy the whole thing. Um, so it, perhaps I ought to not give the impression that my my life is one big falconry party but so, <laughs> yeah but yeah so most most of it is a solitary pursuit for me but yeah. uh, you know the friends make it really special sure yeah i think there's a time and place for it all you know there's some days where it's just not possible and um but yeah once again it's all about what you make it you know and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah 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 and that that was something that um, again because of the the friends i met early on it, it, you your life all, all of those people 
they fitted life around falconry. They didn't fit falconry into life. Mm -hmm. you know, falconry was was the thing that made them organise the lives the way they did. Um, and uh, you know, I saw that as being a, a requirement. Yeah, and it gets harder and harder every year too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in some yeah, ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I kind of regret it. Not regret because I hope. I hope I have been a good husband and a good father. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there are times when you think, wow, have I really been that selfish? <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah, I trust me, I understand completely. You know, there's hence why, you know, there's times where it's just like, I'm so glad that I have an understanding family because, I mean, we're sitting here having this conversation all the way across the country and you know, they're kind of, they're at home doing their normal thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, there's so many instances in that I've been able to make those pursuits and without that understanding. And, and, um, I always joke that I think half the time it's planned on her part anyway. I think she enjoys her time away from me yeah, yeah, <laughs> plenty yeah. of times also, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. I, I totally understand, you know, I mean, we, I think we all have that little lingering, and a voice in the back of our minds occasionally that, that occasionally remind us that, you know, you might want to, yeah, occasionally back off just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. oh, did we we sat in the not in the bar in the lobby of the hotel last night, and I was telling Laura McGow some some horrendous stories about yeah the first year of my son's life and the poor little thing being dragged out hawking and <laughs> and uh, I I won't share the stories because they are horrific and social services would probably be after me, but yeah, I, yeah, I very nearly lost lost a, a son before his first birthday through just a selfish obsess, obsession with hawking. <laughs> you know, if it hadn't been for someone looking through binoculars and me looking to see what they were looking at, and uh, yeah, my baby son had fallen out of the Land Rover window and wandered across the stubbles. Oh, wow. So, no, you know, you've, you've, you've can't help but look at things like that. They're funny stories now, but sure. So, yeah, my, my son's a professional lad now, doing his own thing. <laughs> but so you look back on it and think, "Wow, could I really be that selfish that the flight was everything?" So, yeah. Where, yeah. If my son ever listens to this, I apologise. <laughs> well, I'm sure he probably will at some point. But <laughs> no, it's in that ironic too how some of the funniest stories that we have in our lives always start off by being the most horrendous. <laughs> there's there's some irony to that, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, no, no. We've um, yeah, we've been very fortunate. Falconry's brought me into contact with. Yeah, we were saying this earlier. Brought me into contact with people from every walk of life, you know, people that I would never have got to, to meet any other way. So my, my life's richer for, for all that falconry's brought into it. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I can say the same, and I think most people can. If they're, you know, if they have, if they're fortunate enough to have a good experience, I okay, think yeah. they're, you know, they, they say they can as yeah. well. But, well, and, and so what point did the book obsession start with you or I should I don't even know if I should call it an obsession the book passion um, interest you know when did you start amassing your your library it, it, well it started it, right from from the beginning up to, you know, I've still got the the first book I had signed for me by my then sort of hero I kind of worshipped Glazer when I was a schoolboy and um, you know, I've still got As the Falconer Bells that he signed for me when I was 14 years old 
Um, and because of my time in Wiltshire, of course, I found myself there at just the right time for Roger Upton's Bird in the Hand, Mark Allen's Falconry in Arabia. Um, and of course, I was, I, just, I was lucky enough to be meeting these people. And uh, yeah. so it was uh, Jack Mavro, Hawk for the Bush and Falcon in the Field. There were people that I'd take my books along and get them to sign. And and I, di I didn't, I never intended to to have a library. I never intended to have a collection of anything. It just kind of happened. Yeah, I don't think anybody um, does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, at this stage in my life, it's it's quite a few years down the line. So you, you can't do anything for that long without without learning something about it. Um, so none of none of what I've done really has been deliberate. I don't think you know. It's just uh, the, there's a passion for it, and yeah, as time goes on, if if you don't learn something about what you're interested in over such a long period, you'd you'd be a pretty sad person, I think. So yeah, yeah, it's it's. it's I'd love to think it's not an obsession, but it's certainly verging on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I've I've been privy to some conversations that you've had about some of the uh, ones that you've <laughs> that you've yeah gotten, and uh, yeah, I, I'd have to say that I think it's probably not borderline anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I was trying to to use my wording cautiously, but let's just be real; it's it's an obsession. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, funny enough, I mean, some of the guys here, we've been, yeah, you know, the the present, the exchanges of gifts, has been phenomenal here. Every time you turn around, you're either giving something to someone or or accepting a gift from someone, and and I think for me, you have some of the books I have, yeah, I would guess maybe a hundred books have, have come to me as gifts. And they're, they're the ones I'm more obsessed with because each of them carries a memory. And each of the ones that that I've had signed by friends and, and people I've met along the way, each, each of those becomes a special memory. So it's, it's, I'd like to say that it's all about the information inside the book, but actually there's, there's a lovely little sidelines to that is the memories that come with them and some of them are just beautiful things you know just beautifully put together beautifully bound so yeah it's, it's, it's a fine line between reading a falconry book and learning something and frankly 500 odd falconry books at home and i've learned something from each and every one of them and some of them are masterpieces some of them less so but you take something from every one of them if if you're prepared to to look for it um but then there's the the nicely bound ones and and dedication copies and things and that is that is verging into the the territory of obsession because you don't need it you, you it's not it's not essential you're not going to learn more from a beautifully bound book than you would from from some a five-year-old reprint the words are the same but there's a magic to to some of the old books that that i appreciate well and i know for me as as many people know i've collected lots of different things throughout my life you know i had an obsession with vintage comics and 
and vintage, you know, toys and things. Yeah, yeah. And and so, you know, for me, a big part of the obsession there came with feeling like I had something that was part of history, you know. And I think that this really isn't any different. Like the, the fact that you might have this copy of a book that has somehow lived through all of <laughs> all of whatever obstacles it's had to live through over mm. potentially hundreds of years, and yeah. you're fortunate enough to still have one of these that there's not very many left of. And having kind of that, I don't know, that weird feeling of some kind of satisfaction or whatever it be from that, you know, I mean, there's... It, it only it doesn't help the obsession factor. Let's yeah, just put yeah. it that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it it makes no difference to the words. But if, for example, I've I've got a, a book from eighteen ninety one that that was Lascelles' copy, Gerald Lascelles, other books that were Jack Maverick Adato's or you know, Fishers or whoever you know, famous falconers of the past. It adds magic to them for me. It makes no difference to the words, but yeah, there's a there's a historical context that, that I enjoy. And of course, the yeah, I'm involved with Mark and and Paul and um, and David at the British Archives of Falconry, and uh, you know, that's part of what we do. We're, we're interested in the history of falconry, and obviously that's part of the reason why I'm here. Sure. Well, I mean, just seeing some of the stuff that's here, and then whenever I was fortunate enough to be able to to meet Mark and and do the the episode with him at the British Archives, and he was showing us some of these journals and stuff that mm. that you all have there, and that are, well, I mean, more or less. I mean, you could use the word priceless, I guess, you know, in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in commercial terms, maybe maybe they're maybe they're worthless. You know, they're some of the things that we wax lyrical about and you know in, in market terms yeah maybe they're worthless but to us they are priceless well and and i mean really any kind of intrinsic value that any object has is determined by people like somebody needs to want it you know yeah, yeah. i mean so yeah. i mean there's there's always that too but i mean you know like i said as far as the the, the practical knowledge aspect of everything that we gain from these books and stuff, though, the things that are in some of these journals and the things that are written. And, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can't you can't put really a value on being able to learn or kind of go back and review other people's experiences yeah. and memories and stories. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a, a stage in, in British falconry, a stage pretty much in in Western falconry. For a, a lot of years, falconry was not in a good place. It wasn't well understood. There, there weren't skilled practitioners you could learn from, and to, there were books there, you know, and Kent Carney, yeah, you know, the Bait and Slice Society, you know, reproducing Burt, reproducing Latham. The American falconers were very good at, at tapping into the, you know, the the historical literature and had a much better understanding than I did of of the quality of it. Yeah, you know, there was some real gems of wisdom. Yeah, you know, we we perhaps weren't so good on, on our side of the pond, even though that's where much of it originated, we didn't make as good a use of it. 
and the folkiness of, of the 60s, 70s, it, they had a tough time. You know, they didn't have, you know, here you could speak to just about anybody and learn an awful lot. There weren't the people for them to learn from, so they were almost they were almost having to rediscover the art. Um, and yeah, rather than be critical of of what they achieved, I actually think we should be incredibly grateful because they they were the shoulders we then stood on. Um, you know, it's, it's the same thing. It's a process. If if it, if each of us, any of us, can can do something to help somebody else, it's good for the art and that's kind of the point of all this because i mean without that and without that passing down of knowledge and stuff this isn't going to be just like everything else in life that eventually dies out you know and if we don't want it to die out then we have to find ways to (laughs) dutifully i guess in a way um you know pass on the the knowledge to other generations and do it in a way that other generations are also going to Except what's being passed down as well. Yeah, yeah. I do. I mean, the the toughest thing for us now, it's yeah. I, I think most falconers, yeah, we might appear a, a insular, grumpy group at times, but most falconers are more than happy to to help anybody that shows shows signs of of commitment and dedication. And um, the biggest problem we face really nowadays is is. The environment, the lack of quarry, the you know, so maybe maybe there'll be other quarries, other flights develop. Who knows what the future holds? Um, you know, I've carried on doing a, a traditional traditional branches of falconry. Uh, that's getting harder, and people following on the next generation are going to. It's going to be harder for them than it has been for me, even with help. But so. Uh, well, the birds always find a way to adapt. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, falconry. There, there, there will be adaptations to a degree, um, but for for me, you know, the dream would be that uh, yeah, we managed to address some of the uh, the environmental issues that you know, so the next generation of falconers can can enjoy some of the things that I've enjoyed and and friends of mine have enjoyed. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to, to go through the effort of passing down all of this to future generations if they aren't able to do anything with it other than just have it be a, a memory, you know, yeah, yeah. and I, ideally that's, that's not what we want to happen, but and yeah. hopefully it doesn't. But I mean, so real quick also, I have to, we have to kind of broach on this a little bit as well, because I know you initially weren't really keen on taking this the task on your yourself you were trying to to get a, a friend and um you know to to kind of undertake the the task but eventually what was the deciding factor for you to take on such a a big burden or or task of um you know tra- translating one of these books i mean and about how long did it did it take you to really feel like you accomplished the task? I, oh, it was it was something. In fact, I've you know, just given it to Rocky, my first copy of it. <laughs> um, but 2006 edition, I was introduced to to Gomez. A French friend told me it was it was a classic. I needed to read it, and 
frankly, I struggled. I really struggled. Um, all manner of things, modern technology helped to make it a lot easier to, to get the basics down quickly. Um, but I, yeah, I, I was struggling and, and I'm, I'm certainly not a good French speaker. <laughs> but I was encouraged. John Loft, who translated Darcusi, Sonulaire, and Harmon, actually doesn't speak French. And yeah, I'm surrounded at his house one day, and and I was shocked to discover that. I imagined he'd be fluent, <laughs> so that that kind of gave me some encouragement. Um, I was hoping John would do the work and translate this last <laughs> one, but um, no, I, I, I ended up. I had a year or two of, of one finger typing and slowly working my way through it. But the, in, in truth, what really made the difference, possibly by a number of years, if not by its very existence, was there'd been a previous translation in 1954 that was held within the archives. And it, that was a, a revelation, you know, most of the the basic translating wouldn't need to be done. And it had obviously been done by someone who was a non-Falconer. So there was an awful lot to do putting some of those aspects straight. Uh, and, and then with expert help from friends around the world, aspects of it that I'd misunderstood, people were able to, to steer me in the right direction and... and Slowly, over a period of, well, it had been years, but the the final bit ended up maybe six months, maybe a year, just to correct little bits that I'd misunderstood and, and get to the best translation I possibly could. You know, without that help, and particularly without the help of, of Kent and John, yeah, it wouldn't even exist. But I'm so proud that, that a team effort actually brought it into existence. Um, you know, I, I think it's a wonderful book. It's a book that predates the, the English equivalent in Bert. So it was 1594 rather than Bert 1619. So it's all completely original. It's from first-hand experience. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm really proud to have been involved in it. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean... It, in some ways, there's lots of aspects of falconry and some falconry projects that it um, can kind of take a village, so to speak, you know, to yeah, make yeah. happen. So, yeah. Oh, this this certainly, I, Kent just, I mean, it's such, so flattering. Kent asked me to sign the, the copy and uh, I, t I think I wrote something like, uh, to my friend Kent, without, without whom this book simply wouldn't exist. And that's the truth of it, you know. And without the friends that encouraged me and yeah, he took part in editing, editing, checking, double-checking, yeah, countless times, um, yeah, yeah, it wouldn't have become something that I was proud of. But it, it has done, you know, because of the village, you know, because of all that help. So, yeah, yeah, it's it, it's something. It's never going to be a bestseller who, who in the falconry world uh, wants to read something written so many years ago well especially but, not limited to being limited to 250 copies or whatever also yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah i did, i mean i basically i did it selfishly i did it for myself I, mm. and um and it's gone from yeah I, I wanted friends that had an interest 
and friends that would benefit from it because there's some wonderful advice in there. You know, it's all about flying goshawks and partridges, and but it's beautifully written and by a obviously skilled falconer. And any anybody who benefits from it, yeah, I, I just I'm just very proud to have uh, to have ended up being part of putting it out there. Yeah, no, I mean, I like I said, I read it on the on the plane flight up here. Fine, I got finally got a chance to sit down and have some free time to comb through it. And as we talked about before, it really is amazing how you know just the the basic aspects, the the fundamentals, in a lot of ways, just aren't ever going to change. No, I mean, no, the hawks yeah. themselves. Yeah, the hawks he was dealing with in the 16th century are the same hawks we deal with today. You know, the yeah. hawks haven't changed. Um, yeah, various circumstances have, but management of hawks, skilled management, is it, the same then as it is now, as it will be you know, 500 years from now. Yeah, yeah, the wheel can only be reinvented so many times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, yeah. in, in that way really isn't much at all. But, yeah. well, let's go ahead and um, get one really good, memorable story. There's always at least one or two that, Everybody always remembers at the forefront of their of their mind. It could be a hunting story. It could be a story about you know your favorite bird, anything, and um, and then we'll kind of wrap up. Uh, Quaid came over and um, maybe five years ago, and he came grouse hawking with us in Scotland, and and then we came back on the low ground and and had some flights there, and I'll confess I w- I wanted to try and impress him. <laughs> you know, and um, yeah, there was one particular flight that I thought was impressive. The Falcon was at a nice pitch above me, directly above, and we flushed the partridges, and down she came, and I can't remember if she took one or not. I believe she did. And inside, I, I tried not to show, but inside I had this rosy glow. I'd shown <laughs> how the perfect flight, and... Um, Hub in in classic hub ways, yeah, kind of nice. He said, "I don't really, you know, I don't really like the vertical stoops. I prefer <laughs> them coming in from an angle." And um, but it was a great lesson for me. We had a beautiful flight that really satisfied everything I wanted in life. And Hub is a falconer that I have the greatest admiration for. A great friend. But it made me realise that we're not all looking for exactly the same thing, and that was actually a good lesson for me. <laughs> you know, it's it's nice to try and impress a friend, um, but it's nice to realise that the friend might not be impressed by the same things. It's it's an art with so many facets and and so many different preferences, and so many different opinions. And I yeah, kind of when I was younger, I'd I'd argue over opinions. Not anymore. I I love the fact that people have got different likes and dislikes, and yeah, that suits me fine. Uh, you know, any, any committed falcon of whatever it is they enjoy, that's great. <laughs> sure, sure, and yeah, and I'm, I guess we can go ahead and end with um, you know I've been asking this question for a while now, especially I, I like asking this question, especially with really experienced falconers that have been doing it for decades and decades. But if there's one piece of advice you could give or leave for anybody getting into the sport, 
future generations or even current Falconers, you know, what would it be? And we'll go ahead and, and close with that probably. I, I don't know if it's great advice, but my advice, particularly in the, these days of the internet where, where people don't know the lies from the truth, <laughs> my advice would probably be to get out in the field and look for people who who do exactly what you'd love to be able to do yourself. If if you see someone doing something that you aspire to, they're the people to try and learn from. You know, so forget the the smart comment comments on the internet. <laughs> forget everything. But if if you see somebody that does the very thing that you most want to do, yeah. stick with them. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Yeah. Sometimes. Uh, the uh, the school of falconry Facebook is not the best option by yeah. any stretch. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's 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 positives to it, but um, but actually, out in the field, look for the best practitioners and and see if they'll help you. Yeah, no, it's uh, I agree, I agree. Yeah, now yeah, it's and yeah, and if you ultimately want to be flying a certain species on a on a certain quarry, then getting out and <laughs> yeah, like learning the fundamentals and you know from different species with different quarry can help you initially get into it, but it really helps to have firsthand experience with yeah, people. Yeah, you know, learning yeah, yeah. What, that particular you, you, style. So. Yeah, and what and once once you've got your foot on the ladder and and even when you've climbed halfway up, it you can refine it with advice, with reading, with yeah. You know, falconry should be should be an ongoing process of learning and refinement yeah and a continual process of taking the information processing it and making it your own and yeah yeah and um, yeah. you know with with the more experience that you garner over time mm. yeah yeah well, perfect well i think that that is probably as good a note as any to end on and um i'm gonna have you sign my copy after we get off of here and um and yeah, I mean, thank you again so much. It's been a, a real pleasure getting to know you the last couple of days, and and I'm glad that um, that we could make it happen. And I appreciate you accommodating me, even though you've done your absolute darndest to uh, escape the the clutches of the uh, <laughs> of uh, of the podcast. But uh, you know, like I said, thank you. It's it's much appreciated, and I'm I'm sure that people will get something positive from it so appreciate your time lovely thanks very much all right well let's go and uh and i think the uh the remembrance ceremony is about to start so oh, well. so yeah we'll uh we'll hurry up and get on over there fantastic all right thanks, thanks. very much thanks <laughs>